What's up, y'all? Teddy Roosevelt here, live from Austin, Texas. It's the Teddy Roosevelt Show. Third different name of the show in three shows, episode three. Uh, went from It's Teddy Time to Teddy Talks. Now it's the Teddy Roosevelt Show. Why? Because there's already about 25 different podcasts called Teddy Talks. Plus, I'm sure you've all heard of TED Talks. There's a play on that. The searching with Teddy Talks and TED Talks, I'm going to get buried, yo. So, everyone knows me by Teddy Roosevelt. We're going with that. It's the Teddy Roosevelt Show, now available on multiple streaming platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, TuneIn Radio, how about that, and the Substack, where you can find my posts um, and the latest uh, shows, teddyroosevelt.substack.com. Again, it's Tuesday, June 28th. We got a lot going on. People are freaking out um, about the Roe versus Wade decision still. I want to start international style with the Russia uh, and G7 nations meeting over in Germany. And it's so hilarious. Out of all the countries they could go meet with meet in right now in the Alps, it would be Germany because it was only a couple years ago that everyone was putting Germany up on a pedestal. Why? Because they weren't um, investing their money in the military. They were shutting down their coal plants. They were shutting down their nuclear reactors. They said they were going to go super green. Well, guess what? The sanctions against Russia are backfiring spectacularly um, against us. People in the United States and people in Europe, they're dealing with inflation in England. Um, Not everywhere. Uh, China, Southeast Asia, they don't seem to be having that bad of inflation problems. I think Japan's inflation rate is like 1.8 or 2. So it's not a global thing. But the sanctions that they're putting on Russia are backfiring tremendously. BASF. Of you, I'm sure people have heard of this company. They used to advertise during NFL football games, BASF, and you just be like, I don't know what they do, but they look massive. Go to their website; they're literally the world's largest chemical manufacturer, and Germany is number one for making chemicals. They have a sprawling complex with like thirty nine thousand, thirty nine thousand workers, and they make. Like they are the number one producer of a vast array of, if they're not the final chemicals, it's the precursor chemicals that allow you to make a host of other super critical goods. So BASF, um, their whole business depends on Russian natural gas to run their, their massive, I mean, we're talking about just one plant is like 11 football fields and it, it's it's just a massive it's just the entire town so if they have to shut down it's a huge process it's not shutting down a nuclear reactor but it's it's one of those things where you've got to plan it out you just can't have a lot of like chemicals that are supposed to be heated up all the time all of a sudden you can't have liquids turn into mass and you know solids gas you can't have all that stuff just turn it off and have it go to room temperature um and just let it sit there uh, these the, these are a crazy amount of chemicals 
So Germany has to fire up the coal plants again. France, the same thing. They have to fire up these coal plants that were dormant or else they're not going to be able to get through the winter. They're already telling people to ration um, in, in France, in Germany. And they said the first people to get cut are going to be industry. So imagine that if BASF gets cut and they said there's no backup plan. There's no secondary plan. There's no what there's as far as uh, fuels to run BASF. It's either natural gas or nothing. They have to shut down. So they have to get it from another source. The and the price is high and it's all coming through that Nord Stream pipeline. So it'd be a dramatic. It would have massive global implications. The world's largest chemical company by a long shot BASF shutting down. So imagine these factories start shutting down. Um, are they going to pay the workers? If they're not producing any, they're not bringing in revenue, they're not making any products or goods or services, they can't have power at their factory. I mean, it, where are the supplies going to come from? So you can see it's going to be a chain reaction if it gets that dire. And I mean, it's dire enough that the Wall Street Journal had a giant article about it. And... You're going to have people out of work. Um, um, so anyways, the Russian oil export revenues increased $1.7 billion in May to about $20 billion. Russia is having no problem getting rid of the oil uh, uh, that they have to China and India, the two biggest countries in the world, like one in, $1 billion each. So two billion out of the seven to eight billion people on Earth, they're they're taking that oil with glee. Brazil, Brazil's huge. They're taking that oil with glee. So really, the G seven nations just played themselves. I mean, they did the ban on Russian oil imports to us. So even though they have these bans, Europe was still the destination for forty three percent of Russian oil and fuel last month. So. There's all kinds of stipulations. Then the G7 said, oh my goodness, Russia just defaulted on their national debt for the first time since the Bolshevik Revolution, 1917. Well, Russia had plenty of money and they were willing to pay. And the um, sanctions, you know, eliminated them from the global banking system. So they had no method to pay. And... They've already been doing, they said, you know, hey, you have to pay in rubles. The European country said, we don't want to do it. Russia said, all right, we'll just set up this bank. And so the bank, I forget the name of it. It starts with a G. Um, it's a Russian bank. It's 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 massive. They pay in euros and then the bank switches over to rubles and pays Russia and then they get their gas or oil. But the G7, you know, they're talking about this global price cap. What for? For <laughs> Putin's just laughing like price cap. What are you talking about? He can sell it wherever he wants to China, Russia. Like we're we're just artificially punishing ourselves. These sanctions are punishing us way more than Putin. The ruble is at like a five year high or a seven year high. Um, India has now taken Germany's place as the number two destination for, for oil. So China's number one, India's number two, 
in Europe still because they're going to starve or freeze to death. I mean, people don't realize how important, like, oil and natural gas, you cannot, like, make the chemicals that make the world go around, that make plastic, that make tires, that make everything. I mean, so if you think the um, cost of living and the stress is bad now in Europe, I mean, it's bad in the United States. In Europe, people are literally going to freeze to death and starve to death this winter. I hate to say it um, because there's not going to be... I mean, Putin could just decide to say, hey, you know what? It's October and November since you've uh, put these sanctions on us. How about I just turn it off? And you see these European leaders, they go, oh, Putin's weaponizing the food... um, He's, he's weaponizing the food chain, um, not the food chain, just like the global you know, food supply by blockading these important ports in the Ukraine. And they're saying, yeah, he's weaponizing food. Yeah, he's in a war. Um, NATO and the United States especially, they're providing the weaponry um, and, and $40 billion to make this happen. I mean, imagine if Russia was doing that um, to in, to Canada or Mexico, if we had adversarial relationships with Canada um, and Mexico, we we would be freaking out. And he could just decide to say, "No, you're not getting any wheat, and I'm not going to let you get any gas or oil at all." That's what that's what they don't understand. He could just turn it turn it off. And sort of, um, and, and, and just destroy. And, and what would happen is the people rising up. I mean, and maybe Putin wants that. Maybe he, he doesn't want the, to deal with these woke people. And he is really going to put the pressure on October, November. It gets a lot different when the temperature gets cold out and you don't have fuel. And they're already telling people to rash. And it's only June 28th to ration. And it's only June 28th. So imagine in four or five months what's going to happen when it starts getting colder and the gas gets tighter, the cost keeps going up because of these sanctions that they put on themselves. And again, it's hurting the average Joe, the average Pierre, the average, um, I don't even know what I would call uh, Gareth. It's hurting the average Gareth, (laughs) just went up the Gareth Bale. MLS siding or the LA uh, FC. I'm pretty impressed with that. So, anyways, yeah, they're 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 trying to run end Russian oil sales. Russia's just laughing in their face, and we can decide not to buy Russian oil. They put a ban on Russian gold. Do you think? I mean, Putin is laughing his ass off out of two things that you have no problems at all selling on the global market ever in the last 100 years. In fact, the demand will always be there. It's not going anywhere. Our oil and gold. I mean, what are they going to ban next? Silver? What are they? uh, Platinum? I mean, what else are they? What else are they going to ban? Like, just imagine, like, the most important commodities in the world like that that no one can survive without like it's food food and fuel and that's the thing people don't realize russia has the most nukes in the world if you want to um you know and they're threatening us 
you know, very openly saying, don't mess with us uh, or we're going to drop one of these. I mean, they're literally showing videos on the Russian equivalent of like a 60 Minutes um, showing a nuclear submarine shooting a nuke It's it's that, that could blow up and they literally said an area the size of Texas. So, gee, I wonder why they mentioned Texas. Um, that would create a 1,500-foot wave um, right near London and bury all of London under a tsunami that would be a radioactive tsunami um, from all the nuclear uh, fallout. And so it would basically be uninhabitable for decades, most of England. I mean, it would literally... the. The, the the tsunami would go up to like almost their highest mountain. It would bury everything. And they're threatening us with this. And we're like, oh, guess what? We won't buy your gold or oil. Oh, no. So just wait. He There's no rush. China's just sitting back and laughing. Um, our solution, did you see uh, in California, Gavin Newsom wants to print more cash. He's going to print more cash. They're going to give away. And California does have a surplus of money um, right now somehow. But it's from all the federal government giveaways. But they're going to give everyone up to $1,000 in stimulus checks for the cost of living and the gas. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, it, that's the modern monetary theory, which is the dumbest theory ever. It's, it's, it's economics for idiots, I call it, where they're like, Oh, you can just print more money and there won't be any ramifications. You can just print more money and, and as long as more money's floating around, it'll just mean more uh, products and goods are going to exist. I don't know. Or it's just it's just better. That's not what happens. It's never what happens. Um, the more money you print, the value of the dollar obviously uh, goes down. And next thing you know, you go into the grocery store and everything costs five or ten bucks. Deodorant costs eight dollars. That's that's what I don't know. I, I looked at Gatorade. Gatorade just launched like a new. I was in the a convenience store today, and Gatorade. I don't know if you saw they they the thirty two ounce. They're phasing that out now. It's a twenty six ounce, and now they have like the first Gatorade I've ever seen. That's like a sixteen ounce or a twenty ounce. So shrinkflation. Um, is a real thing. Like pota potato chips, you buy a snack food, um, anything like that. It's filled pretzel crisps. They're filled with those bags with the air. A lot of it, like two-thirds of the bag is going to be air now. Um, so it's people are just getting kicked in the jimmy um, real bad. And the solutions just seem to be, let's make things more difficult on the average middle class and down, middle class blue collar, lower class person in the Western Hemisphere by banning um, things that Russia will easily be able to sell easily to China and India. Two and a half billion, <clears throat> two and a half billion people throw in uh, Brazil. You know, you're talking about 2.5, 2.7 million people. So it, it, it's just a joke. I mean, the oil price cap mechanism. Um, it's just a joke. And again, Putin's playing the long game. <clears throat> Remember, they were telling us in February this war was going to be over in two weeks. Um, they were going to have plenty of... Um, uh, or Russia was using old uh, military equipment. 
and there's there, it was it was just going to be over in a matter of months. And you had the ghost of Kiev, and Zelensky was man of the year, and they were super brave, and all this amazing things were happening. And Russia was bombing the kids' children's uh, cancer hospital. Um, you know, they, they, it, it was all propaganda, and I hate to say that. You know, as a patriotic American, if you would have told me coming out of Rocky for after seeing Rocky IV, that I would be sympathetic towards Putin's point of view and disappointed in the United States and, and what we're doing? Absolutely. I mean, we should... I guarantee... Uh, I mean, if Trump... I know this is going to trigger some people. Trump would fly over there and meet with Putin and tr or try and put them together. Has Biden or anyone... Um, ben Stiller, Jill Biden, anyone... <clears throat> Have they have they talked about negotiations or diplomacy? Have one of these people? I see that everyone's flying over to Ukraine. Has anyone thought about flying to Moscow? About flying to Moscow and meeting with Putin? I mean, if you look on the global stage, uh, we have a lot more common with Russia than we do with a lot of other countries. And the fact that we're we were adversarial for, I mean. They had our back in World War II. I mean, let's not forget, Germany um, wanted to take over the world. And Russia was battling them in the Eastern Front in one of the most brutal wars and the Allies on the Western Front. And Russia uh, 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 kicked their ass and defeated them in a long and brutal and bloody, you know, one of the most devastating, I think number one, the Eastern Front. If you wanted to break it down by the by the battles, so I mean we have a lot just just based on the fact that they practice Christianity and Catholicism um, compared to some of the Middle Eastern countries. I mean that's just straight up uh, uh, the truth. So um, it just sucks that we're not trying to offer an olive branch. It's just not working. Um, we need to find out exactly what Putin wants and needs. Just keep in mind, Ukraine was the number three uh, CIA's list or someone's list, uh, the number ranked the number three most corrupt country in the world. It was uh, Colombia, Brazil, and Ukraine. I mean, they're notorious for being corrupt. If you just look online, corruption for Ukraine, you have to pay to play to get ahead in that society or get anything done all the time. If you want to get into college... If you want to get good grades, if you want to get out of being arrested, if you want to um, get a operation or see a doctor, so you know they have state-provided health care. You have to pay if you want to see somebody before twenty twenty-five. So, you, Ukraine is totally corrupt. Um, the biolab stuff is a real thing. I mean, Russia's showing that on their TV. The optics look really bad with all of the stuff that we've been doing and, and meddling in Ukraine. I mean, did you know Joe Biden, when he was vice president under Barack Obama, flew to Ukraine seven different times while he was vice president during the two terms? Seven trips to Ukraine. He still never visited the border. Keep that in mind. He never, during those eight years, went to the Mexico southern border. He went to Ukraine seven times, including, get this, four days 
before the end of his, uh, I think, yeah, it was four days before the end of his second term. So after being in D.C. in there, well, he was in D.C. before he took the Amtrak back to Delaware, but he's been working there for a while. But imagine his last, you know, wherever he's staying as vice president, um, they have a special house. I forget the name of it. Kamal's in there right now. Um, Four days left before he's got to move. And he decides to fly over to Ukraine and give a speech about how much he's going to miss hearing his voice, uh, you know, the the whoever the prime minister was or whatever they call their president, I think it was president, uh, how much he's going to miss his voice and how much they were doing. Imagine that. He had less than 100 hours to go. He should be handing out medals and cleaning out his his, his residence and, uh, and taking it easy. And he flies halfway around the world to Ukraine. Something's up with that. And then the Hunter Biden thing, which everyone should know all the details left and right. No, instead we've got this, I mean, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden should be on trial. Instead, we have, what's her name? Cassidy. Um, did you, Have you seen this? The January 6th stuff that's going on. It's all over the news uh, right now. I mean, first of all, the beast, they're saying Trump um, reached up and grabbed the steering wheel. Dude, you can't. There's you As a passenger in the backseat, you cannot access and reach the driver much less the steering wheel from back there. Somebody posted, you know, uh, <laughs> I think there's some sort of barrier, you know, in between the the driver and the president there. So, no, he can't get it. They're just saying Trump was just like an ape. Like, he threw his, he threw a temper tantrum, of course. He threw his lunch against the wall. Um, Cassidy Hutchinson, that's, that's who it is. Uh, yeah, of course, um... I mean, it's friend of a friend, hearsay evidence. This is their bombshell witness, and all of the left is eating it up. Um, of you know, I I don't see. Of course, he's going to throw a temper tantrum. I mean, you're talking about not only the presidency is at stake, but the future of the country. I mean, look how bad Biden, um, the Biden regime has destroyed <clears throat> a lot of things that that we took for granted, just like. Filling up your gas tank for under fifty bucks, or uh, um, you know, just just um, the the day to day uh embarrassments on the world stage, um, falling up the stairs, falling off his bike, just his inability to speak in coherent sentences. I mean, the morale of America um cannot be good just based on the leadership that he exhibits, which is like zero to none. Um, the vaccines have been a total failure, but yeah, they're trying to do this giant, let's get criminal charges against Trump thing through the January 6th. I mean, keep in mind, a lot of Americans, especially on the left, they're so desperate to, to just get their two minutes of hate out with Trump. I mean, they don't even want to think about or consider that this is a total mockery and embarrassment of our judicial system and and due process. I mean, the fact that Trump um, or anyone involved, there's no defense attorney, there's no cross-examination of the witness. I mean, it's just hearsay evidence. This is one person um, saying something, um, hearsay evidence, and it's just so unfair. I mean, it's really unfair. And the fact that they're trying to pass this off, 
And the worst thing is, people will believe it. I mean, the average, I mean, think about it, 40% of America didn't vote or 35% of America didn't vote um, in the election. Their average just, somebody sees like a 30 second clip, they see a headline, a paragraph, and they know that. The Democrats know that, the media know that. So people think this is like a a hearing, like a, a traditional trial, and it's the furthest thing from this. It's like a tribunal. It's an inquisition. I mean, the fact they're not investigating, why were the two pipe bombs there in front of the DNC and RNC? Where you know Who's investigating those pipe bombs? Where did that happen? Um, Ray Epps, like... If there were FBI people down there, like that guy, uh, is it Ray or Roy Epps? He's in a, a ranch in Arizona now. He was literally encouraging people to go into the Capitol all leading up to it for 24, 48 hours and the day of. Why isn't there an investigation into that? And then let's not forget, like the country is at stake. You look at the future of America is at stake and the stakes don't get any bigger than that. So... Who could blame Trump for trying to figure, explore every single avenue and every single option to try and get um one of the six states that stopped counting in the middle of the night? I mean, just based on that alone, we've never had that, where they just stopped counting in the middle of the night, six states all in synchronicity. They all decided like between two and three in the morning, hey, we're done for the night. And they just happened to be swing states. It wasn't a a, a state that it was going to be a home run um, in either way for either country. No, for candidate. And Trump had the lead, gee, in all of those states. So just based on the optics of that alone, they didn't finish counting the votes for the first time in presidential history. He was winning in all six states. They were all swing states and they all decided at the same time. To do it, and it was, and 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 those six states could just happen to turn the election. They had the exact amount of delegates or the delegates needed to give the election to Joe Biden. I mean, get the hell out of here! If you're not asking what's up with that, I mean, you're just a fact denier or you're a reality denier, and and to have the narrative, the quote unquote narrative, to use their words, that you're being an election denier. Um, just based on those 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 optics alone, we're, we all saw it. And for them to have complete synchronicity, six different states, is total bullshit. No, no wonder he was having temper tantrums. And uh, I'm not a big thrower. I'm not a big, oh, I'm going to lash out and punch a wall. I, in fact, I hate people who are like that, who throw people into a wall. But if it was that, you know, if you thought you got jobbed in the biggest con job, and oh, by the way, they spent the previous four years, you know, arresting and interrogating your entire circle of, you know, your family and your friends and making up the whole Russia thing from the golden showers, the dossier. I mean, Trump took more heat on a day-to-day basis, like the, the intensity of it, and the just nonstop 24-7 aspect of it, more than any other human combined times infinity. I mean, it was nonstop. They were making stuff up. Um, so no wonder, I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, he was under attack nonstop more than anybody with lies and innuendo and speculation and just bullshit. So who can blame Trump for um, reacting just a little, uh, um, uh, you know, angrily if it looked like, you know, his opportunity to challenge the results or get somebody to investigate were in the tank. So 2,000 Mules, if you haven't seen it, Dinesh D'Souza did a tremendous job. And just based on that evidence, and go, oh, by the way, the cell phone tracking data they're using for 2,000 Mules is the same tracking data they used for the January 6th um, uh, quote-unquote insurrection and they put everyone in jail over that. You know, they had the special tower down there to track them. So DoorDash, have you ever gotten <laughs> Uber Eats or a DoorDash delivery? Uh, you'll see. They The cell phone's pretty accurate. It's pinpoint accuracy. You can see exactly where somebody is. So the 2,000 mules, these are people with undeniable, overwhelming evidence where they're going to the nonprofit a couple times, they're going to the ballot box multiple times, and if you just, you know extrapolated that i mean this is the overwhelming stuff i mean the fact that we're not having hearings about that everyone should care about the integrity of our election everyone should make sure that everything's on the level especially if there's going to be mail-in ballots and you know with ba.4 and ba.5 they're going to want to do mail-ins so everyone should be concerned about that if you don't have it fair um, elections that everyone is 100% positive. Maybe you'll never have 100%. But we need to be pretty damn certain that everything is on the level with our elections. And for people to act like there, there wasn't any funny business or anything going on, they're lying. I mean, just based on the six states stopping... They're lying. I mean, anyone who thinks that's normal or, or we sh you should just take it or not ask, what the hell happened? You know, it's okay to ask what's going on with that. So anyways, Cassidy Hudson saying, oh, there was ketchup dripping down the wall. Give me a break. I could see Trump throwing a cheeseburger against the wall if he thought it was all over and there's no way he was going to get it done. But Trump was not encouraging violence. Um, I knew people who were there. Oh my God, I know people who were there that day. And uh, they said it was like a 4th of July picnic on the on the one side. And as soon as you went to the Capitol part on the other side, just bad mojo. Bad mojo. You could just feel it. There's people with the ear pieces and they stayed nice and far away from there because they, 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 they from from all the action so I'm looking at the New York Post Travis Barker rushed to the hospital in ambulance um, I don't want to say I don't know what his, what his deal is all I'm saying is there's a lot of young people in their 20s and 30s who are dying um, or having major medical problems now Travis Barker's been in a, a, a harrowing serious um, airplane crash um, so he, he, he had other stuff going on, but he, by all accounts, he just got married to a Kardashian, happy, healthy, uh, 46 years old. But uh, last week there was the Baltimore Ravens linebacker, 26 years old, 
just had, they said, his best uh, training camp ever, was in the best shape of his life, had a wife and two kids, happy guy, um, no history of drugs or partying or anything. He was a family man, dead in his sleep. Um, have you seen this this guy who was uh, uh, X-Factor? Um, I don't know if it was a, ho a host, I want to say, was Simon Cowell. His wife, 34 years old, she was a dancer. To give you an idea how, how in shape she was, um, she was a dancer and she died in her sleep the night before their wedding. So the morning of the wedding, they woke up and her corpse was in the bed. I mean, that, and, and, and she was dead at age 34. That is not normal. I mean, that is not normal. This stuff is happening all the time, the sudden deaths. And I'm going to make a video about this one county in New Jersey. It is really, and my buddy showed it to me. He's like, look at this obituary section. I've never seen anything like it. It's all people in their 20s and 30s. Sudden death, sudden death. Just shocking. So, yeah, X Factor star Tom Mann shares picture from Memorial for late fiance Danielle Hampson. So, yeah, he was on the X Factor. I guess he did really well. Um, that's a, a, a an English show, but yeah, just totally shocking. She died in her sleep, age thirty four, um, on the day of their wedding. I mean, I don't even know what to say. And she had danced in a lot of famous uh, tours, so this isn't normal. Look, Justin Bieber and his wife Haley. I mean, she had a mini stroke in April in Palm Springs, blood clot related. Had to have surgery in May. And then in June, her husband has Ramsey Hunt syndrome and half his right face is paralyzed and he can't really eat and he had to cancel his tour. I mean, what are the chances of a couple being married in their 20s, much less being celebrities, and having that happen back to back and not having it be related to the experimental mRNA gene therapy vaccine shot that if you go to the NIH, National Institute of Health, PubMed website, it says, um, and, and just search for, for Ramsey Hunt syndrome, uh, myocarditis, any of these things, there's plenty of, of evidence that this is directly related to the vaccine. And you have people like Rolling Stone, anti-vaxxers are you know, making a, a connection between Ramsey Hunt syndrome and the vaccine, and it's there's no connection whatsoever. Oh, yeah, there is. In fact, if you look on Twitter, there's doctors who were posting in February. I've seen more uh, patients for Ramsey Hunt syndrome in the first uh, seven or eight weeks of 2022 than my entire 20-year practice combined. So that doctor didn't go back in a time machine and write that after Justin Bieber announced it what is the motivation for us like we're not trying to make you regret your decision we're not trying to um make justin bieber fans angry angry we're asking what the hell's going on here with all these young people dying in their sleep um at a, at, at a young age who were previously healthy happy and 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 nothing was going on physically and now they're they're dead and it seems like, why, why is there a warning about myocarditis and pericarditis for the kids' vaccines? 
you know, and then you look at the approval process for the kids' vaccine. Why is Pfizer's nine micrograms, but Moderna's 50 micrograms? Moderna's two shots in 28 days, Pfizer's three shots, three micrograms each in nine, I think it's like two in four weeks, and you have to wait eight weeks for the third one. So keep in mind, adult an adult dose of Moderna's 100 micrograms, you know, two shots, three, three, three apart, 100 micrograms. They're saying you could give 50 micrograms to a six-month-old baby, half an adult dose, and that's and that's fine. And people are asking these experts, hey, it seems to be a pretty big difference, the Pfizer's nine micrograms and Moderna's 50. Which one is right for my, you know, 25-pound one-year-old? Oh, either one. As long as they're taking the vaccine, that's what's important. You know, that just as long as they take it. So whatever the pediatrician has on hand, just go with that one. I mean, hashtag trust the bleeping science. Are you kidding me? That's your answer. That the 50 microgram and 9 microgram, oh, one's five times the amount of medicine and it's the same, you know, half a dose that we would give to a 280-pound um, offensive lineman for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, give that to your six-month-old, the, the 50 micrograms. It's really no different than the nine uh, micrograms spread out over two months or three months or whatever would it be. I mean, come on. This is not science. That's not science. And, the, and, and they're basically using these babies... If you look at the test results, they're using these babies as, what, the phase two trial? The phase three trial? I mean, a typical medicine needs to go through three different phases, right? Um, uh, Clinical phases to get approved. Vaccines are supposed to be a decade, a decade of trials. And these have been rushed through. I mean, the mRNA technology existed before. But it's never been used in a vaccine, the mRNA technology. And so it, 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 that, it, didn't, it, it just passed by like nine years, basically, and three months of research. Gene therapy shots, which again, the Moderna, Pfizer, a lot of their documentation describes their current mRNA vaccines as a gene therapy shot. Gene therapy shot is a 12 to 15 year recommendation. And granted, it's 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 to try and, you know, they're trying to, to, to cure cancer or make a dent in it. They're trying to, to use uh, the gene therapy shots for some serious disease. But they're saying over a decade, 12 to 15 years, these are gene therapy shots. That's what Moderna says. And they're saying you can give half an adult dose to a six-month-old kid and you and you look at what how the Pfizer one got got uh, approved. So they had 375 people test positive, little kids for COVID after the second shot. 375, which basically destroyed their um, efficacy rate. It just made it look like it didn't work. So what they do? Oh, two shots isn't strong enough. Let's wait eight weeks. Or no, they got the results back. And then and, and found out people got COVID. So eight weeks later, they injected them with another three micrograms, tested it again, again in like early May, 
and said, oh, well, only 10 people got COVID this time. Let's throw out the 375 positive cases. I'm serious about this. They threw out the 375 positive cases and just went with (laughs) the 10 kids who tested positive. Uh, And oh, by the way, they could be testing positive June or July. It's not testing like, hey, how is it after eight weeks, 10 weeks? Eight weeks and 10 weeks haven't even, you know, it's like eight weeks right now. And, and and they've already submitted the date the data it was like from from April so it was the biggest clown test it was the biggest anti-science test and that's what I'm asking man we're talking about our kids we're talking about our future generation and right now there's scary as hell studies about men's sperm counts being lower this is you know, a peer-reviewed scientific study out of Israel that men's sperm was lower for five uh, months. There's all kinds of stories about women having um, uh, too many or too few periods, menstrual issues. Um, I'm hearing a lot of stuff about miscarriages or seeing stuff. You're not allowed to mention it, you know, and that's the scariest thing is science involves a rigorous discussion of the evidence and having a rigorous debate. And continuing to examine and analyze the evidence. This has been the biggest public health experiment in the history of human civilization. I mean, holy shit. If there's any time we should be rigorously examining the results of any scientific experiments that's ever been conducted since, I don't know, conducting electricity, it should be the vaccines and the and the long term, you know, the short term and long term side effects underscore long term, and it is right now. We're just, you know, the short term effects are now. I don't know clinically if it's what short term, three months, six months, or whatever. But long term, you'd say, you know, a couple years after. Well, now we have people who it's gonna be. Um, it's it's been about a year, maybe eighteen months, if you're immunocompromised or elderly. Um, that you've had the vax, but most people spring, um, early summer 2021, they they got their two shots. The booster has dropped off dramatically, and keep in mind, everyone over 50 in the United States, the FDA, in order for you to be fully up to date on your shots, you should have four right now. The the first two to be quote unquote fully vaccinated. The first two. And then your booster last fall or early winter, and then your booster again this spring. So you're, you know, in order to be fully vaxxed. Now, FDA Clown Town today, they met and they want to do a fish shot. Um, They're discussing with the Omicron variant. And here's the craziest thing. They keep, you know, they've got to start the manufacturing and production of the of the medicine that goes in that vaccine right now. So they're like, all right, should we throw a little Omicron in there? Yes. This is what they did with Delta. And you were taking a shot to protect you against Delta when Omicron was the dominant variant. And now you have original antigenic sin. You have a lot of spinoffs from the original Omicron the vaccine that they're creating that's going to come out in October could be, uh, I mean, the, the the next variant that's going around, I'm almost positive, the current variant's going to either infect everybody or you're just going to build antibodies. It's asymptomatic or symptomatic, it's going around. 
the next virus that goes around isn't going to be the one that's everyone's in October. Isn't going to be the one that everyone's getting infected with right now. For damn sure, it's not going to be the one everyone's getting infected right now. It's going to be some other virus. And guess what? The more evasive and elusive the virus is, the less um, protection the original antibodies are going to give you. I mean, it's really a Stephen Kingish novel when you see some of these people on Substack. And by the way, you can find me at Teddy or uh, at underscore Teddy Roosevelt on Twitter. Substack is teddybroosevelt.substack.com. But you see some of these people, Igor Chudov, um, C-H-U-D-O-V, Alex Berenson, of course, the original OG, calling out the bullshit in uh, COVID land, um, Steve Kirsch. There's a lot of people, Ethical Skeptic on uh, Twitter. There's a lot of people pointing out that, you know, there, there, there's a lot of weird things going on as far as the all-cause mortality in places like Germany. The fact that Portugal is number one in the world for COVID cases and deaths, it was like two weeks ago. They were the number one most vaccinated country on the planet, a million people, with over a million people. 85% of the country had two shots. And then last week, they were number one in the world for any country over a million people for new COVID cases and like they're number two for hospitalizations and number one for COVID deaths. You don't think there's a weird correlation going on there? And, and, and if science is really about the scientific method, shouldn't everyone be asking questions at the top of their lungs? Like, what the hell's going on? It seems like there's an inordinate amount of people who are dying in their sleep in their 20s and 30s in 2022 and are having major health problems think about that that's only in the celebrity world or the famous like singers athletes um but there was a politician his 17 year old uh, daughter died in her sleep what's going on in in general society and regular society if there's all these deaths um sudden deaths going on in the world of people who have re- who are relatively known it's pretty scary Anyways, folks, we're coming up here on uh, the 45-minute mark. Again, you're tuned into the Teddy Roosevelt Show. You can find this show at my Substack, Teddy Roosevelt, B-R-O-S-E-V-E-L-T dot Substack dot com. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on TuneIn Radio. And you can find it on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to get some feedback. You can put some comments on any Substack post, any Substack podcast so let me know what you like what you don't like we're gonna have some guests on some awesome guests on some guests on that are gonna blow your mind uh real soon so uh get your popcorn ready really appreciate you tuning in um think that's it teddy Roosevelt show episode three i'll be back tomorrow y'all have a great rest of your day